Welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. And I pray that the message will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. Bless the name of Jesus. How many of us really know that we should never be defeated? He's already gotten the victory for us. Hallelujah. We live in victory. Hallelujah. Every day of our lives, appropriate that victory in your life. This morning, Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2. I will focus on verses 12 and 13. Be appalled at this, you heavens. Well, let me go back to verse 11. Has a nation ever changed its gods? Yet, Yet they are not gods at all. But my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. Be appalled at this, you heavens and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Now somehow, I'm going to talk to you this morning from the thought, transitioning from worry to serenity, replacing broken cisterns, replacing broken cisterns. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you, Lord, that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void. But it accomplishes all that you desire. Thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. So thank you, Lord, for sending your word to us this morning. I pray for a fresh anointing of your spirit. And Lord, I pray that you will speak this morning. When your word goes forth, Lord, it accomplishes what you desire. Grant me a fresh anointing of your spirit to preach under your anointing. And anoint us all that we will hear under your anointing so that yokes will be destroyed and burdens removed from our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and we thank you. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Can you turn the volume up a little bit? Thank you. Amen. So last week we we dealt with with the topic of worry and talked about people worrying uh, about different things and instructed instructed us to seek... uh, to seek God's kingdom first and, and its righteousness, his standard of right, uh, and the things that, that, that we need in life, the Bible says, will be added. So we're not to worry. We're not to worry about things of life, uh, things in life, things that we need, things that happen in life. Um, and because this, this, this is such a critical thing, uh, the Lord on last Sunday afternoon, began to speak to me more about about this, and and I sensed him directed me to deal with this just a little bit more. Uh, 
Because of the many things in life that cause people to worry. Yeah. Of course, when you look up the meaning of worry, worry means to give way to anxiety or unease. To allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. And sometimes it just seems to be a natural thing for people to worry. Somebody woke up this morning and something happened to cause you to worry. Now, when you stay in worry, it creates all kinds of problems. Yeah, it creates mental problems. You know, you can just go, you can go into, just, just go deeper and deeper in, into this thing and you have emotional problems, you have, you know, stress and uh, it can cause physical illness. It, it can even lead to death. Worry is a, is, is a dangerous, a dangerous thing. Uh, and the world that we live in today, a lot of things happen that cause people to worry. You know, I, I can't go through them all because I would be preaching for an hour and a half this morning. So I'm trying to limit it to one hour. Amen. <laughs> Just look at what's happening. You know, I, uh, some people don't listen to the news because they say that, you know, always something bad on the news. But but I find it, uh, it's, it, it to be informative and necessary to pay attention to what goes on in the world around us. This war with Israel and Hamas is causing people to worry because it's spilling over into a lot of places, even here in the United States. We see protests, we see people being killed. You know, they are uh, one, of my, one of my favorite shows, uh, and I don't have a lot of favorite TV shows, but one of them uh, was dealing, I think it was FBI International. I think it was, it was dealing with this whole situation with, with Israel and Hamas already. You know, the new season started this week, so this is the first show of the new season. So you see these things happen and you see, you see the, the church, Lakewood Church, just this past week, there was a shooting at Lakewood Church and on the lady's gun that went into the church, she had Palestine written on the gun. These things are spilling over, uh, not just in the Middle East, but right here in the United States. And it causes worry. It causes worry. Even the, even, uh, you know, with synagogues being bombed and, and Jewish people here being targeted along with Palestinians being targeted. Things are happening all around us. And it causes worry. It causes worry in, in people. Uh, there is worry over the direction that our nation is headed in. I mean, if, if you pay attention to what's going on politically, you see that there is, well, you know, you know, we know what's happening and we know the, the attitudes of people who sometimes don't seem to care about democracy uh, and care about the, 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 the moral compass of our nations. So this is not this is not just a Republican or Democratic thing. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. No, there's no, there's no Christian political party. Uh, and, 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 and so when you look at the political issues, there are issues that, that worry people on both sides of the aisle. You know, when you look at morally, morally, when you look at, at, at the stand of one particular party, it concerns people as to where our nation is headed. You know, uh, not just with racism, but with, but, but with, with legislations that, that's being put in place to, to, to further demoralize and corrupt, uh, this country. 
Yeah. Things that happen because people are worried. Of course, you know, there are the everyday financial financial things that cause people to worry. Bills. Uh, yeah, bills that you have to pay. Child care expenses. Buying groceries. Let me go back to child care expenses. If you are a young parent and you have to put your child in daycare, that's almost a house payment. <laughs> so, so, so you, you know, you'd be glad to have grandmama and, and aunt and somebody else come in and, 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 and help take care of your children. But, you know, there are a lot of things that cause people to worry. It, it, yeah, financial, you got regular bills that have to be paid, house payments, buying grocery, maintaining vehicles, raising children. Amen. That this stuff that causes people to worry. Those of us who are older, younger people who have older parents, sometimes your parents get to the point where they cannot take care of themselves. And now, now you have to make a choice. You have to make a decision. What are you going to do? Those things cause people to worry. Are you going to take them in? Are you going to, are you able to stop working to take care of them? Are you going to look for somebody else to come in to keep them in? their homes, you know, and then, you know, some of these things, of course, for some people, it doesn't matter. You know, you don't, you don't think about that. You say, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it, but you're going to get to the bridge. So some of you will get to the bridge. So you need to be thinking about this. You know, you need to make, be making some kind of plan as to what you're going to do, you know, but these things worry people, health issues, you know, I don't know how many people really pay attention but I know people do because I remember when 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 my parents were dealing with with uh, signing up for Medicare and then all of these advantage plans come along and there were people who 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 were signing people up and getting them to 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 uh, because of what one plan offered. I did the same thing when I was when I turned 65 and had to sign up for Medicare. I got a call about Medicare Advantage. Now this doesn't work for everybody. Now you got to be wise, and this is why this thing causes concern for people. So the the Medicare Advantage plan that they offered me sounded good. I'm listening to these people even now. You got a $500 uh, 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 allowance or something like that. You know, so you can pay for 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 groceries and all like this and this is but 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 when I switched to an advantage plan then I had to go to Lancaster to one doctor I had to go somewhere else for another doctor and my doctors that I had were not in my plan now mind you uh mind you in 2011 I had been I had cancer and 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 I was still in dealing with the the treatment and whatever I didn't want to change doctors but Medicare Advantage, the lady told me my doctors were in my plan only to find out when I did the research, they were not in my plan. Thank God I had a window to switch back. Thank God I did my research and I, and I had a window to switch back, to switch back to the Medicare supplement that I had, that I still have and that I will never switch from. $50 a month is not worth me switching. $500 a year is not worth me. But these things, these things concern people. And, and when you're older and, and things happen and you find out that you, that you got to change doctors, you got to, you got to find out that you got to get somebody to take you somewhere else. These things cause worry. Amen. They cause worry in, the pe- in people. They cause anxiety. There are a whole lot of things in life, you know. So we can stand in the church and we can sing, I will never be defeated. And that's the truth. But when you're going through life situations, how do you manage? 
Amen. You gotta, you really have to have the faith to say, I'm not gonna be defeated in this. I'm gonna be an overcomer in this. You gotta, you gotta stop. You gotta back up. You gotta look at things. I'm getting to the end of my message, but you gotta look at things. You gotta do some research. You gotta pray. You gotta seek the Lord. You gotta get some help. These things are real life issues. And, and what we have, what we have to understand when I'm listening to these people on television, the thing that always registers in my mind, these people, have a job. They're out to make money. They do not really care about you in your particular situation. A good friend of mine called me up and said, yeah, yeah, Alfred, I want you to consider. I know he had a job. He might be listening to me this morning, but I'm telling the truth. So, so, so you might want to consider listening, changing to one of these Medicare Advantage plans because it offers this, that, and other. You know, I've already been through this. I'm not changing. You're not going to convince me to change from what I have to get something so I can get a little bit of extra money in my check per month. Because in the long run, it doesn't balance out. But I'm listening to these people and I'm realizing just because they're on television doesn't mean they're telling the truth. People convincing you to buy uh, uh, warranties for your vehicle and they tell you that, that, that you're not going to have to pay for this, that, and the other, only to hear testimonies of people who had warranties and the warranties didn't pay. They're not concerned about you. They're concerned about putting money in their pocket because they are hired. They have a paycheck that they want to get. So we have to be careful with these things, all of this stuff. That, and things happen. And when people switch and they start spending money on these things, and don't mention all of the scams you know, some of this, some of these things might be considered scams, but they're actual scams that people get caught up in and then they're left with nothing. These things cause worry. And let's not forget our teenagers and our children. We live in a, in a day and a time when our young people, they're just, the society pushes them to worry. It pushes them to the point of anxiety. And if they're not in stable homes, where parents are helping them and, and, and guiding them and conversing with them and talking to them. When your children are going through, they don't always need to be yelled at. They don't always need to be told, told deal with it because they don't know how to deal with it. They need some level-headed, thinking, praying Christian parents who can give them wise direction. But society pushes children to a point and to a position where they worry. They worry about not being good enough. They worry about not fitting in. They worry about not being liked. And you can say all day long, you know, this saying we used to say when we were little sticks and stones may break my bones, but words you say will never hurt me. Words hurt you. Words hurt you. Anybody been there? Words hurt. You know, so you tell your children that, but they're experiencing hurt every day. And then that's all you're giving them. You need to give them more. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when children are faced with such things, they, they, they worry, they worry, they worry, they worry. Now, and, and the thing about this, um, you know, we live in a worry wrought society. And the thing about this is that, that everybody has an opinion. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody, everybody, everybody. There are always a lot of voices that are speaking on everything. All right? When we preach the gospel, 
There are those who are inevitably have a different opinion. Even with what I'm preaching on today, somebody's going to have a different opinion, a different opinion. And everyone has a right to have a different opinion. However, there is one important thing that we should know. All right. That is that since, since I'll put it individually, since I am a Christian and then since you are a Christian, it is not my opinion or your opinion that really matters. All right. My opinion doesn't matter. Your opinion doesn't matter. Amen. It is God's position. It is God's standard. It is God's instructions that matters. Our place is to be, is to correctly understand what God says, to correctly understand God's word, amen, uh, and God's standard, amen, and God's position and communicate that to the people. Live that out in our lives and communicate that to the people who are following the Lord. Okay. That, that's what really matters. And ultimately, the thing that will make the difference in the lives of those who choose to follow him is doing that very thing. Understand correctly, understand correctly God's position, understand correctly God's standard, understand correctly God's instructions and follow them. That makes all the difference in the world. Okay? That makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Now, everybody's not going to do that. And we've got to be okay with that. Because you can't worry about those who are not going to follow God's direction. You might care about them. You may be concerned, but you can't worry. You can't worry. If your wife decides to go to hell, you might be concerned, but you can't force her to change. If your husband decides to go to hell, if your children decide to go to hell, if they decide to reject God, you you know, you can't worry about it. You know, you gotta, you gotta speak the truth in love and you gotta leave it in God's hand. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. You walk around trying to make everybody saved. Everybody's not gonna be saved. Everybody's not gonna be saved. Everybody's not gonna accept the Lord. It's their own decision to choose what they want to choose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as with everything else in life, when you make a decision, you have to live with the consequences. Amen. Amen. God did not give us the privilege or the power to lower his standard. He did not. He did not. He did not give us the privilege or the power to change his instructions. He did not give us the privilege or the power to diminish his position to accommodate people. The church does a lot of accommodating. Now, we are patient with people because people need to come to the point that they grow in the Lord and they understand the Lord and his position. We got to teach them the right. But the Lord is not going to change just because you don't want to change. His standard remains the same regardless of what your philosophy of life is. Isaiah 58, 55, 8 and 9. I use this scripture last week. I think about it all the time. I use it a lot. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. They're higher. But let's go a bit deeper. Let's go a little bit deeper. There's a powerful reason that we're instructed to seek God's kingdom first and seek God's ways. 1 John 2 and 15 says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires will pass away, are passing away. But whoever does the will of the Lord lives forever. This is speaking of living forever with the Lord, eternal life. So God said, don't love the world. Don't love the world. Saints, the flesh, the world, its philosophies. Everyone has an opinion, remember? Their philosophies all around. The world's philosophies, Satan and people rejecting God and his principles have gotten us into a terrible situation and has eroded people's peace. Yes, sin. People are caught in sin, but it has eroded peace in people, in many believers' lives. Many believers don't have peace. They believe in the Lord, but they don't have peace. We need a change. Many believers know Jesus is the Christ, but they don't have peace. They're worried. They're anxious. They're uneasy. We need we need a transition to take place in our lives so that serenity in life can be restored. I'm not talking about all of our troubles going away. The Bible does not teach us that once we're saved that all of our troubles go away. In fact, it tells us plainly that, that we will be persecuted if we live godly in Christ Jesus. However, like Jesus, like the disciples when they were persecuted, like Stephen who was stoned to death for his faith, like many believers who lived and died in faith, we can have peace, we can have calm, we can have serenity in life amid the trouble and the trials that may be going on around us. Am I talking to anybody? Am I speaking the truth? Trouble can be in your life, but you can be at peace. You may need to pay a bill next month, but you can next week, but you can be at peace. Attacks may be coming at your body, but you can be at peace. We don't have to live in worry. Worry doesn't have to consume us. When you, when you, when, when, well, when I was reading about the effects of worry on people's lives, one of the things that it, it was talking about how to overcome worry, and I'm reading this and I'm saying, worry becomes a person's God. Worry becomes a person's God. 
Because it was talking about how you meditate and, you know, how you do all of this stuff. Worry becomes so high up on a person's focus and perspective in life that that's where their attention is. We need to make a transition to remove worry from our lives. We need to make a transition. This, this text speaks to this. Now, I know this, you know, uh, well, just go along with me. It shows us the problem that we're facing in this world today. The problem that continues largely, that contributes largely to the problem of worry. It does. Uh, it's talking about, what well, Israel and their sins. But think about the root cause. Mm. This is God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah to the nation of Judah. A people who should have been faithfully following him. Ask yourself, what does it look like to faithfully follow the Lord? Faithfully, to faithfully follow the Lord. They should have been faithfully following him, but they forsaken him. All right. In this prophecy, God is rebuking Judah for her faithlessness. Employing the language of a court of law, God challenges the house of, Jude, of Jacob to accuse him of any fault that would justify their faithlessness because they've been unfaithful and God is challenging them to make them think about the choices that they've made. And he says they become worthless. Now, I'm not going to go through the whole explanation of, of every verse here, but hopefully I'll hit the points that will, that will make uh, sense to us and that will speak to us. In essence, God is saying they become worthless. You know, it's, it's, you know, we don't want to think of God as calling somebody worthless, but, you know, when we're supposed to be following the Lord and, 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 and we're living in sin, we're worthless to the things of God. Truthfully speaking, we're just worthless to the things of God. We never think that way because, you know, we have a form of godliness. We may come to church. We may do our church thing. We may be religious. <sighs> but we're really worthless to the things of God. God says they become worthless. They become worthless, uh, worthless to him. And they are as worthless to him as the idols that they have worshipped. They have no gratitude for what God has already done for them. You think about what God did for Israel, okay? How he delivered them from, from, from bondage in Egypt, what have you. Um, the, the, he brought them into the land of promise. They've forgotten all about this. They're not thankful. They're not grateful. Their leaders have rebelled against God's authority. Their priests didn't seek the Lord. Those who dealt with the law, those who interpreted the law, did not even know the Lord. Prophets were prophesying in the name of Baal and worshiping worthless idols. So Jeremiah is living among a people that are totally alienated from the Lord. God is challenging them. And the people are unable to respond. And since they're unable to respond with accusations against God, then he becomes their, in essence, their accuser. They did what no other nation had done. Whew. After being in the study uh, on, on urban apologetics, and now we're talking about, you know, the, the, uh, we, we're in the chapter on, on, on the women 
Um, um, what is the name of the chapter? Yeah, the conscious communities appeal to women. We're talking about all of these different gods because, you know, the danger of us uh, becoming so uh, so focused on Africa and turning back to our ancestry is that if we listen to the, the appeal of the black conscious community to us, and we don't know the truth, we'll get caught up in the lies that they tell. I talked about the lies that they tell. So, because, now, now, so, you know, when you talk about the Yoruba tribe in, in, in Nigeria, and, and now in the black conscious community, women, uh, let, me, let me say this right here. Every lady in here is beautiful. You are my sisters. You are not objects of sex to me. I have a wife. Are you understanding me? Every man has to have that perspective. We need to teach our boys that. We need to teach our sons that. We need to, we need to teach people to value. And I mean, we grew up, I did, because I even said to my son when he was young and dating, I said, for every girl you date, you treat her like your sister. You treat her like your sister. Now, whether he did it or not, that's what daddy said to him. Because that's what I learned. I didn't see my father running women. My daddy didn't have two families or three families. That's what I learned. But, but, but you listen to these lies that they tell, so you get caught up in these groups, and then now the Yoruba tribe has over 450 gods. 450. Now, when I was reading this, you know, of course, my mind went back to this. And so we're, 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 a lot of people, you think this is far away, but, but right down in Chester, South Carolina, I was talking with a friend of mine. I can't say too much about this, but I was talking with a friend of mine, and she was sharing something with me about what happened in her family. One of her daughters, who is the fourth wife of some man. Chester, South Carolina is 30 miles from York, South Carolina. This is not far off. But let me get back to my message. So I'm reading this. And God says, God says, God says, who does this? Who, who, who changes their gods? He said, you know, these people don't change their God. The pagan nations don't change their God. They just add another God in to the pantheon of gods. But what you've done is that you have changed your God. You've changed your glory. You've given up on me. And that's what people are doing. That's why I keep telling people, biblical Christianity is different many times than what you see in the church. People may be wrong, but the Bible is right. God is right. Jesus is right. He is Lord. You don't give up on God because of what people do. But it is imperative for us saints that we live in a way that glorifies God. And when people look at us, they see Christ in us. Oh, this, this, this thing, you know, that right there just, it hit home because I'm, I'm thinking, you know, how many people have just given up? They've given up on the true and the living God. And they turned away from him. And God said that the people of Israel had changed their glory. 
God is their glory. Jesus is their, Jesus is our glory. If we change him, what's going to happen? If we change from him, we reject him. And then we just become a part of these groups that have a pantheon of gods. We walk around here. And you know, I love my African Italia. I love going to Africa. I love ministry in Africa. Thank God that I've been going, that I see what happens in different cultures, that I've studied cultures. So when I'm reading these books, I realize some of the, some of the things these people are saying are just flat out lies. And they're talking to people who don't know. They're talking to people who've never seen, never been. I asked you last week, how many women in here want, want to be one of five wives? Y'all said, I said, no, not me. You be ready to shoot your husband. We're Christians. If he had a girlfriend on the side, you ready to get rid of him. So you know that, 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 that you're not going to be one of five I went to, I need to preach this. I visited Kenya. We're visiting one of the traditional villages and you see, you see the circle of houses. And then so the guys explained to me, well, this house belongs to the first wife and this house belongs to the second wife and this house belongs to the third wife and this house belongs to the, to the next wife. And then so the first wife, she becomes a caregiver for all of the wives' children. <laughs> Ooh, Lord have mercy. But the more children the man has, the richer he is. He can farm, he can, he can, he can, he can, he can, he can, you know, have more animals for all of his children to take care of. And I guess he's bringing the money home. And then, saints, here we are in Liberia. And I gotta preach this message, but you know, you can't change. God has a standard, biblical, biblical Christianity. You know, so, so we're in Liberia and, uh, and the lady asked a question to, I don't know, it was Elder Hoskins or whoever was with me on that trip and, and said, I'm old. My husband, I guess I'm old. I can't satisfy my husband. And we went to the pastor and we talked to the pastor and the pastor told my husband to get a younger wife. So some of the stuff they're telling is not the truth. There are problems in every society. You hearing me? There are problems in every culture. So we need Christ and we need his culture. So when we go and preach, we don't preach culture except we preach the culture of Jesus Christ. Anyway, all right, all right, let me go on. So God says Israel has committed two sins, or Judah has committed two sins. He said, Be Paul. He said, my people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they've dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. We are living in a day and a time where the philosophies of man under the guidance of the prince of the power of the air and the love of this world has dug out a manufactured systems for us that cannot hold water. What's the significance of this? Water is essential for life. It's essential for life. Water is. Okay? Every household, every community, 
every town, every city must have a, a good water source. Without water, everything dies. There's a large percentage of your body that's made up of water. I can't think of the percentage. Somebody knows. Made up of your water. So when you die and you, they put you in the ground, what do you do? Your body dries out and your body goes back to the dust from whence it came. Yeah. So now the people of, of Jeremiah's day would understand quite understood quite well what he was talking about because they lived in an arid climate and they had they had to dig out cisterns in the limestone uh, rock that they had and they had to, they would have to paste their cisterns with. Uh, uh, they have to seal that system with some type of paste to keep it from leaking because water was essential. And I'm thinking, you know, how do we, what connection can I make? Well, you know, we don't necessarily have cisterns, but, but, but we have reservoirs. All right. Rock Hill has a reservoir. You know, why did they put a dam on Lake Wiley? Yes, for electricity, but then people start using, uh, uh, whatever, what's that kind of power? Nuclear power. But, it provides water for the surrounding communities. Now, if there's a crack in the dam and you don't fix the crack, then you lose the water. They say, well, the river keeps coming, but, but in a time of drought, we've seen it. We've seen it in dry seasons. We've seen how you can't water your grass. You got you to ration. One time they were saying when you take a shower, uh, turn the water on to wet your body and wet your cloth, then turn it off. You know, like we, those of you who've been to Africa with me in a village, you know how you take a water in a bucket, take a bath in a bucket, you know. Yeah. So, you know, we see that we know what, what happens when there's little water. We've seen drought. We've seen cattle die. We've seen other animals die. Water is important. So you don't want to crack in your system. You don't want your water leaking out because water is, is, is necessary for life. People, the world's philosophies, the world's ways, the world's actions, the position of things that the world takes, the world's system, the world's way of doing things and thinking and acting and behaving, they're all broken systems. And these cisterns have been broken for so long that the essential life source is gushing out. People don't have life anymore. They don't have the source of life anymore. They're rejecting God. They're rejecting God right now. People don't want to hear you talk about God. They tell us now when we're witnessing the people, we have to, we have to convince people that they're lost. Because this whole idea of being lost and saved doesn't register with this generation. What, what we need, what we need, what do we need, what do we need? I'm going to run through this part so y'all, 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 y'all follow me real quick. Amen. We need something that will give us the proper answers to life and living so that we can enjoy life because ultimately we want to enjoy life. We don't want to be worried. We, we don't, you know, I'm, not, I'm de not dealing with the sin part of this, right? I'm dealing with the worry part of this. We don't want to live in worry. We don't want to live in worry. We don't want to be consumed by worry. You know, we need, we need, we need something. We need, and we need to decide and act on what the Lord gives us. We need to decide to transition, uh, transition from worry to serenity. Hmm. 
We need to decide. We need to decide. We have to make that choice. We have to make that transition. You can sit back all day long and say, God, move me out of this place of worry. But until you act, you'll never move. There are certain things God's not going to do for you. You got to do it yourself. You got to act. You got to decide. You got to make a transition. You got to make a transition. You got to, you, 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 if you want peace, then you have to do those things that work for peace in your life. All right? You have to do those. Then the Lord, he will meet you at your point of need. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do we make the transition? In line with the text, we must replace every broken cistern in our lives with the one who is not a cistern, hallelujah, but who is the spring of living water. Now, I grew up in the country. How many of you know what a spring is? Let me see your hands. All right, good. Who doesn't know what a spring is? I'm not talking about the spring in the bed to keep your mattress from sinking. Well, look up artisan well. So my grandmother, we had a spring. That spring still functions today. My uncle still, my, well, my aunt, my uncle died. My, my aunt still gets her water from that spring, but they put a pump in it to pump water to the house. So, 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 so there's water, that's groundwater that comes up, it's under, it's under, I guess the water's under uh, some rock under the ground, but, but it forces its way up through the rock and, and it comes up. So, so when I was a boy and we would go to the spring, they had already put um, a pipe, we call it a terracotta, but they call it something else today. Um, a big round pipe in, in, in the spring to, 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 to catch the water enough for us to go and get a bucket and dip water out. But the water kept flowing. The water kept flowing, was ever flowing. That spring is still there. I tell you, some of the best water in the world is fresh spring water. Yeah. And it's ever flowing. The only reason we needed that, 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 that large pipe was to hold enough water for us to dip it out. But the water kept flowing. There was a hole in the pipe, so so one of my cousins, as the water flowed, it flowed enough for him to dig a hole and make a swimming pool out of it. Amen. So the water kept flowing, and so this is what the Lord is saying: You don't need what you what you what you don't need is just a cistern that can hold water for a while and even can be broken. But you need the spring, the ever-flowing spring of living water in your life. So how do you get this? How do you get this? Examine your belief system. I believe. uh, Examine your belief system to see how it lines up with God and his word. You already know that that this world's philosophies and beliefs are broken. Old wise fables, philosophies of man, and everybody has an opinion, but it's not working. Things are getting worse in this world. So you gotta you gotta examine. You know, if God was telling Israel, you know, you got to look at this. You got to examine yourself. You got to examine who you stand. You got to examine what you believe so you can see that you need to return to me. 
But we must, and I don't know if enough people stop and think about, what do you really believe? Are you spoon-fed every Sunday? Or do you go back and search the scriptures to see if what you are told is the truth? And do you dig deeper and then challenge what you've heard or what you believe? Do you challenge what mama and daddy said? Do you challenge what the teacher said? Do you challenge what the, what the, what the doctor says? Do you challenge it? Go back and examine your own belief system. And anywhere your belief system does not line up with God and his word, reject it. Reject it. Reject it. And then replace that belief with the word of God. So I'm studying God's word. Amen. I'm in God's word so that I can find the principles of life, so that I can get the wisdom of God. Amen. Because his ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. I need his ways. I need his thoughts because it's his ways and his thoughts is going to give me peace. What did God say? I mean, God, God, God created this world. God created you. He created me. God knows how it ought to function. His word has worked. His word has worked. When the Bible teaches us the principles of faith and trust, we see it works. We see it works. Hebrew boys, it worked for them. Daniel, it worked for him. Esther, it worked for her. Are you hearing me? It worked. It worked for the disciples. It worked for my mother. It worked for my grandmother. When I would hear my grandmother talk about things and I would see her waiting and trusting in God. It worked. Countless generations of people, it has worked. The Bible says, God says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. The philosophies of man will pass away, but God's word will never pass. Let me tell you something. The stuff we're seeing in this generation is going to pass away. Don't worry. Don't worry. People rejecting God. This whole issue. Now, this is not the only issue. Well, maybe I shouldn't even mention that then. I'll just say, the stuff that we are seeing today is going to pass away. It's going to pass away. You don't want to be in a place where it passes away and you're not in God. You pass away with it. Outside of the Lord. Psalmist said, your word is a lamp to my feet. Your word is a light to my path. Your word is spirit. Amen, Paul said, it is life. Amen. The psalmist said, the interest of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. It makes us wise. We need God and his word. So everywhere, examine your belief system. Some of us are believing things that's not working. Then renew your commitment to the Lord. Whereas this message from God through Jeremiah is a statement of judgment to faithless Judah. It's also a call for people to consider their ways, to repent and return to God. We don't like the term repent these days, but it means the same thing. Renew your commitment to God. Turn from what you've been doing. Turn back to God. In, in chapter 2, verse 19, Verse 19 of this chapter, this is what the Lord said. 
and just read the whole chapter. He said much more than this. He said, your wickedness will punish you. Your backsliding will rebuke you. Consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you when you forsake the Lord your God and have no all of me, declares the Lord God Almighty. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3. This is what the Lord says to the people of Judah and to Jerusalem. Break up your fallow ground, your unplowed ground, and do not sow among the bones. The way you've been living, you have ground that has not been broken up. Your heart is hard. It needs to be broken up. Stop sowing among the thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts, you people of Judah and the heavens of Jerusalem, or my wrath will flare up and burn like fire because of the evil you've done. Burn with no one to quench it. But to the person that repents, to the person that returns, the Lord promises healing and restoration. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10, following, those that return to the spring of living water, the Lord says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The, the mountains and the hills will burst forth in the songs before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn brush will grow the juniper and instead of the briars and the myrtles will grow. Instead of the briars and the myrtles will grow. Instead of briars, the myrtles will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for the everlasting sign that will endure forever. Consider this. We got to consider this. We're caught up in, in the philosophies of the people. Are You may not be in here. And it's their, their broken systems. We got to return to the spring of living water. And as you return, as you return, you got to re-engage your purpose. Now, this is, this, this, this is a prophecy to Judah. It's not to those who are not of the faithful, who do not know God. So as we hear this speaking to the church today, we gotta, we can't always say that this is dealing with those outside of the church. It's dealing with those of us in the church. And in chapter two of Jeremiah, well, verses, verses two and three of Jeremiah, particularly verse three, the Lord says that Israel was the first fruits of his harvest. First fruits implies that there will be a fruit in gathering, a future in gathering of other people. Even as the first fruits of a tree anticipate that additional fruit will follow. Right? Israel, you're the first for you've forsaken me, but 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 you were the first for you, the one I chose, and I chose you for a purpose. John chapter one. Verse 11 and 12 says, Jesus came to his own. His own received him not. Or didn't receive him. 
But as many as received him, to those he gave the right to become the children of God, those that believed on his name. Not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of the man, but of God. So Israel was the first fruit, which implies that there are some, this fruit that's going to be coming after. We are part of that fruit that came after Israel. All right? We have a responsibility. If you're caught up in yourself, if you're caught up in what you're, what you're doing and what you want out of life, if worry is consuming you, the Lord said, you need to come back to me. You have another God. You need to reject that God. You need to come back to me. And when you come back to me, don't just come back. There's fruit that has to be gathered. When we're operating in our divine purpose, we're positioned, listen now, we're positioned for God's care. We're positioned for God's provision. We're positioned for God's wisdom. So when I'm in the right position, the cares of the world don't face me. Does this make any sense? Yeah, there's trouble around me, but I'm in the right position. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm, I'm being who I'm supposed to be. I'm living out my divine purpose. So now I'm in God's care. He's going to take care of me. He's going to make a way for me. What, what other people worry about, I don't have to worry about it. So he is the source. He is the spring of living water. He supplies all of our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, whatever their needs are. But we must return to our glory. We must return to our Lord. We have to make that transition if we haven't made it. Too many things are worrying us. Too many things are consuming us should not consume us. And when it does, the Lord's work is left undone. Isaiah 55, I think verse 5 and 6 says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord. And the Lord will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. God wants to have mercy on people, but he's not, he's just not throwing his mercy around aimlessly. He says, return to me. When you return to me, you have a purpose that you're returning to. And the cares of this life, if you seek me first in my kingdom, I will add the things to life that you need. So we have to make that transition. If we want to have the peace of God that passes all understanding, and he gives peace, I can't make my own peace. The Lord gives me peace that passes all understanding. And that's what people need today. They need God's peace. They need God's serenity in their lives. You're not going to find it in this world. What you find will be transitory. What you find won't last. What you find 
won't hold up. But when you come back to the Lord, remember, we got to examine our belief systems. We say we believe in God. What do we believe about God? How does my belief in God affect the way I live every day? How does my belief in God affect my decisions? How does my faith in God affect my relationships? How does my belief in God affect the way I treat people? Examine your belief system. And at every point that it doesn't add up with the word of God, cast it out and replace it with the word of the Lord. Renew your commitment to the Lord and re-engage your divine purpose. Let's stand. Father, thank you for your word and the power of your word. Thank you, Lord, that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void, but it accomplishes all that you desire. Thank you, Lord, that you prosper your word and the things that you set your word to. Thank you for sending your word to us today. Thank you, Lord, for what your word is already accomplishing in our lives. We thank you that you are the spring of living water. We don't need the broken cisterns of this world, which only cause more problems in our lives. We need you. I pray today that someone who doesn't know you will come to know you and that you will be that spring of living water in their lives. I pray today that someone who's backslidden, someone who's been like the people of Israel, who's rejected you, who's replaced you with other gods, I pray that they will repent today and give their lives to you, renew their commitment to you, and re-engage their divine purpose. Thank you, Father. Amen. This morning, if there's someone who would like to give your life to Jesus, this is the opportunity. He is the spring of living water. If you've been on the fence, sometimes people are on the fence. And you're not, even if you're not ready to make a decision today, I challenge you to go back and do what the early church did. Search the scriptures. If you don't believe, if you can't see that the philosophies, the ways of this world are not working, go back and search the scriptures. See what the Lord says. Return to him. He will pardon you. He will receive you. He will become that spring of living water that gushes up in you for salvation. He will be that source of living water in your life. You don't have to worry about storing up water somewhere in a system that's not going to hold it. He'll be that continuous flow of living water in your life. So come to Christ today. I invite you, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, accept him today. If you are a backslider, if you were in the Lord at some point in your life and you walked away, I invite you to hear the Lord today. He is the spring of living water. You found out 
when you went out there that what you went out looking for wasn't what you needed. And if you haven't found it out, you're going to find it out. You'd be like that prodigal son. You get out there and you waste your life away on righteous living. And you'll look up and you'll be hungry. And you'll be lost and you'll find out that the people you thought loved you didn't love you. They didn't care for you. While you had, they were with you. But when you didn't have, they're not going to be with you. You've already experienced that. But there is one who seeks closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. There's the one who promised never to leave you nor to forsake you. His name is Jesus. He wants you to be in relationship with him. The things of the world, the ways of the world, the philosophies of the world do not work. They do not last. Come to Christ. Give your life to him. If you backslidden, come back to him. Rededicate your life to the Lord. If you're here today and you want to come down front, you can come. If you're watching me online, I want to pray a prayer of repentance for you. And if you, if you, if this is the sincerity of your heart, in sincerity, you pray this prayer and you want to uh, connect with the body of Christ, first of all, write to us and let us know the decision that you made because it's not just enough to pray the prayer. You got to make a connection. You don't want to say that you're saved and you're just out there wandering around. You know, you're just, you're just wondering. You have no accountability. You don't have anybody to continually feed you and to continue to give you sound doctrine. You don't have a fellowship where you can grow in and, 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 and mature in the faith and add your part to the maturing of the saints and the work of ministry. You just don't want to be out there wandering around. The Bible says we don't forsake the assembly of, our, of ourselves together. We come and we be a part. So, so if you rededicate your life to the Lord uh, or if you get saved, write to us and let us know of the decision that you've made so that we can follow up with you and help point you to a church where you can be connected. Let's pray. And if you're, if you're unsaved and you want to be saved, pray this prayer along with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. But Lord, I believe that you died on the cross to satisfy the righteous requirement of God's law so that I could be saved. Thank you for what you did for me. I know you did it for the entire world, but God, Lord Jesus, thank you that you did it for me. Lord Jesus, I accept your sacrifice. I accept your provision for salvation. I accept you. Come into my life. Save me from my sin. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I ask you this because I want to be in you and I want you to live in me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for hearing me. Thank you for answering me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.